Hi there, and welcome to the oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 62, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with Nat Clark, the man behind Middle Earth Tobacco. I kept seeing snippets here and there in various places online raving about Middle Earth Tobacco, and so I had to find out what this was all about. And it turns out it started a good while back. But you'll hear all about that in just a bit. The following podcast is brought to you by PipingAin'teEasy.com. PipingAin'teEasy.com carries new pipes, estate pipes, consignment pipes to fit almost any budget and is always getting a new rotation of pipes. Go to one word, PipingAin'teEasy.com right now, bookmark that page, and grab yourself something nice. Hey, pick up a cool PAE shirt while you're there too. Let me know what you get. And again, that's PipingAin'teEasy.com. You'll dig it. I know I do. I picked up a shirt and an Ardor while I was there. The following podcast was recorded November 1st, 2014. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. On the line with us today is Nat Clark from Middle Earth Tobacco. Nat, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, Oli. How are you? Pretty good. Let's start off with a little bit about yourself. So who is Nat Clark? Tell me... Uh, your age, where you're from, family, pets, your work, stuff like that. Uh, 30 years old. Um, I'm happily married. My wife's name's Kelsey. Uh, I've got a little dog. Her name is Monkey. She's a tiny little shorker, puka chica thing. Um, don't really know what she is. <laughs> um, I obviously, you know, I, I do the tobacco thing, but I also work for Spring as well. Um, I've done a couple different things since I've been out of the Navy, um, but Sprint's probably been the, the biggest one I've done. Well, I should say the longest um, since I've been out. How long, were you, how long were you in the Navy? Ten years. Wow. Tell me about that. What was that experience like? Oh, man, that was an experience. Um, I was a corpsman, and I guess for those who aren't really familiar with corpsmen, it is essentially the, well, I guess there's two types. We'll start with there. I was FMF, which is Fleet Marine Force. Uh, Marines don't have their own medics. They never have their own doctors. They pretty much don't even have their own medical corps. So they've always used Navy personnel. Um, well, being FMF, I was essentially the same thing as a, uh, what's the easiest way? I guess a, a combat nurse, the easiest way to explain it. Okay. Um, you, you go out there in the field with the Marines, and you know you're their one and only line of medical attention for miles and miles around. Gotcha. So you did that for ten years. Wow, that's that's pretty wild. So so once once you got out, you were you were basically like a a, a medic, right? So once you got yeah. out, it, it, did you did you think, hey, maybe I should I should you know, stay in kind of sort of this kind of line of work, or you're like, yeah, I'm done with that. I was, I, I was, I was burned out. I did, I did three in Iraq and one Afghanistan, and it was just after you know being gone more than I was stateside. I was just, I was ready to settle down. Yeah, you know, get to see my family more than once a year, and you know, just kind of start fresh somewhere, something else. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And how long ago was it that that you got out of the military? I've been out for three and a half, almost four years now. Wow! So that yeah, that's not too long ago. 
Now, I was reserved for about two and a half of those the last two years um, of my Navy career. I was actually an instructor. So I had it I had it pretty easy. And I was, you know, obviously working full time job in the civilian world and then just doing the, the weekend warrior thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <clears throat> after it's all said and done, I'm I'm glad to be doing what I'm doing now and where I'm at. So Yeah, yeah. So tell me, uh when and how did you start smoking pipes? Oh when that's that's a tough one. I was I was young. Um, my grandfather was a tobacconist. And I guess it was kind of destined to be, you know, he, I always, uh, actually it's funny because when I was young, I hated the smell of cigar smoke. I thought that shit was nasty. Um, uh, cigar, I'm, cigar smoke? Yeah. Cause he, he always, he, he enjoyed a, a cigar smoke in the evening. So it's funny because I used to think that, you know, cigars are nasty as shit, but the pipe always smelled good. So that's actually how I started smoking was the pipe. Um, you know, when I turned 18, he gave me one of his old Dunhills, and he told me how to light it and pack it, and off we go. So he, he smoked cigars and pipes, and, and, and basically, uh, whenever he would smoke a pipe, you're like, yeah, I like that. Is that is that kind of how it unfolded? That's exactly how it unfolded, actually. <clears throat> he he smoked, it's, it's funny, because um, he smoked Buckleberry Ferry on the regular. I mean, that was, that was his all day, every day smoke. So always smelling that, I was like, damn, that smells so good. You know, it almost has like that edible type of, of room note aroma to it. So, so tell me about that. So Buckleberry Ferry is one of, one of the lines that you offer up, but, but that's been around for a while. So is that something that he came up with? It was, there are four original blends. Um, Buckleberry Ferry, Fangorn Forest, um, Mordor, and Old Toby are all the original four. That when I first came to him, you know, if I want to start blending and learning how to blend, he said, all right, well, here are my four blends. Here's how they're blended. Here's why I put what tobaccos in them. And from there, I've kind of come up with my own lines as well. He he passed away um back in 2004. So, obviously, the four blends I kind of had to work with. I knew the recipe. Um, you know, I, I kind of went from there and created my own, I guess, line of tobaccos, if you will. Mm-hmm. And how long had he been blending? Oh, Lord, I have no idea. As long as I can remember. My dad told me that he had been blending tobaccos as a kid when my dad was a kid, so... Wow. So did yeah. he did he work at a, a local shop or did he was this just something he did on the side or what? He did. Um, he worked for years and years ago the smoking lamp down in Charleston. Um, I think he was one of the founding fathers or whatever you would call him. Right. One of the guys brought all that up, and then he owned. He lived in Walterboro, and he had a little. He started up a little um, pipe and cigar shop in Walterboro, South Carolina. I don't know if that's still there. I haven't been down to Walter in years. Did you guys hear that? That's a little bit of South Carolina pipe history going on there. And that is just so cool. His grandfather had been blending for goodness knows how long. And then he gets kind of thrown into the middle of it at a very young age. 
And he relishes that connection. And I think it's just, it's amazing that we get to see, even for a moment, a little glimpse of that. Okay, back to the podcast. I assume there's something still there where it, it at least it used to be before he sold it out. So how old how old did you say that you were when you started smoking a pipe? Well, I was 18, but I had been working in his shop back you know, when I was 15 or 16 years old. Wow. So <clears throat> I was learning the product before... You know, I was even able to smoke them. Yeah, I already so, knew at 16 years old, I knew the difference between, you know, a Cameroon wrapper on a cigar and a Rosado wrapper on a cigar. Right. Things 16-year-olds shouldn't have to know, but, yeah. it, 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 you know, I was engrossed in that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So so there you were. I mean, even at a, a, a pretty young age, you're surrounded by uh, pipes and cigars and tobacco and blending and all that kind of stuff. That's That's awesome. It was, I guess it was, I, I was always really close to my grandfather, and my mother hated it because I was at 16, you know, I, I came home and smelled like an ashtray. Right. But <laughs> I, I loved being in the shop, you know, listening to the guys talk to me. Yeah. Uh, listening to my grandfather talk to the guys, you know, things like that, that were kind of, I guess, integral in my development as a tobacconist. I yeah. still, you know, even at, at this age, I still look back on, you know, things that he would talk about when I was just a kid. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie there, and, and it's cool that you got to be in the middle of all that. What a what an awesome thing. That's great. I, I'm, I'm lucky, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely lucky. Okay, I want to pause there for just a moment and talk about the camaraderie that we're speaking of. If... If you don't belong to a pipe club right now, find one in your area. If you can't find one in your area, put one together or, or visit a smoke shop or hang out in one, and you'll see what we're talking about. You know, uh, it's just a great thing. I highly recommend getting together face-to-face -to -face with people and just taking it easy, slowing down, and being a part of that conversation that happens. There is just no telling what kinds of things that you'll learn or or just be a part of it's it's a wonderful thing and go do that if if you haven't already if you have just remember to savor those moments that you have with your your fellow pipers your fellow cigar smokers how did you choose the name middle earth tobacco uh, i've gotten this one a couple times it's funny um a lot of folks you know, or, you know, are you kind of into big and low ranks? And, and, I, and I am. I actually took a, a class on Tolkien in college. Wow. Um, but my grandfather, this was Buckleberry Ferry. This, you know, that blend was Buckleberry Ferry long before anybody had ever heard of Buckleberry Ferry, you know? Yeah. So he was a huge Lord of the Rings fan, which is, which is, I guess, odd that, you know, uh, um, and a guy that age, back in the you know the seventies and the eighties, was a Lord of the Rings fan. But I mean, you know, those books have been around for over a hundred years. So that's that's wild. So really, it's 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 kind of what you inherited more than more than anything, right? Uh, honestly, it is. Yeah, it really is. And so, how old were you when you started? Uh, when you asked your grandfather to show you how to start blending tobacco? Let's see, I think I was 
the summer of my, I think I was 16 or 17, he started showing me, you know, these are the things that go well together, here's things that don't, you know, what kind of portions should you put of, of different things to go with what. Um, he didn't let me smoke until I was 18. He was, he was very, very, very serious on that. But, yeah. uh, you know, I might have, you know, snuck a cigar or something in every now and then when he wasn't looking, so... Mm-hmm. I, I bet I bet you were just you know excited to be able to uh, learn about how to blend. I mean that's that's such a, a great age for you know you're you're just soaking up all this knowledge and stuff, and you're really interested in in different different learning different things. And to, and to have somebody who's near and dear to you say, "Hey, I'm going to teach you something that you already enjoy." You know, I bet you were just like loving that. I was, you know, and I honestly, for for years and years, I thought it was something cool to kind of know. And, you know, I've worked at different pipe stores all over the, the world, you know, just <clears throat> I worked in one when I was stationed in England for a while. I've worked at some, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Virginia, um, just kind of while I was in the military honing that skill, you know, because I would go two years without even touching tobacco. Mm-hmm. So... That was kind of my way to get to commune with the past. Right now, it's obviously something where it's kind of full time, and every time that I, you know, that I get to blend something, it reminds me of my grandfather. That's great, man. That's great. What What would you say makes Middle Earth Tobacco different from other blend lines that are out there? Um, the biggest thing, obviously, you know, a lot of companies use good tobacco. I'm I'm pretty headset on on the types of tobacco I use. I think that that really makes a break. But the biggest difference, I think, is the fact that I, I hand blend everything. Every sampler pack, every tin that goes out, I sit down, I blend that tin of Buckleberry Fairy or sampler pack, whatever it is, and I jar it up with my hand, my bare hands. And I think that that... Does it make it taste better? I don't. I don't know. But the fact that I have kind of given somebody my trade, kind of like a pipe maker, you know, he's yeah. made something with his hands, and you know, you are, you feel more in touch with something that somebody's, you know, handmade. Yeah. And I want people to have that same feeling with the tobacco that they smoke from me. Yeah, I, you're you're directly connected to it. It's it's uh, it's you and and you're sitting there doing it. And it's it's a kind of like a small batch specialty type of thing. It's it's exactly what it is. You know, I, I wish that I had the time and the money to obviously, you know, sit down and make a lot more of these things at a time. But at the same time, I think that this is where I kind of have always I've always done everything in my hand. I've been doing this for almost thirteen years, and it has always been done by by me and my hand. And I think that that's something I don't think I'm willing to give up. You know, as a as a business owner, I have you know my set models that the business was founded on, and and that's not something that I don't I don't think that I'm you know willing to 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 fork over. Yeah, yeah, and I and I don't think you should. I think that that's mm-hmm. really what makes you kind of stand out. You know, you're you're this you're this. Um, you know, artisan crafter that that does this stuff one at a time, 
you know, and and it's it's these are blends that have been handed down to you by your grandfather, and then some that you've expanded upon yourself. I mean, that's there's a whole lot of really cool stuff going on there, you know. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. You know, it, it's in in some regards everything that I do with it's a kind of a dedication. Yeah. Obviously, for, for me. But when I you know hear that people love the blend, you know that makes me feel good because I've taken the time and you know the the blood, sweat, and tears into getting that to your front door and and hoping that you enjoy it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Now you currently have ten blends on your site and a spot to purchase a sampler pack as well. Give me a quick rundown of your blends by name and tell me a little bit about each one of them. Um, so I think we we were talking about Buckleberry Fairy earlier. Um, that's my aromatic, if you will. It's it's not a traditional American aromatic. It's a uh, I guess it would be a traditional like an English or a Danish type of style aromatic. Um, <clears throat> most of my blends, which you know, as I'm going through it, most of them have some form of Red Virginia in them. Um, Right now, I'm using a 2008 crop of Red Virginia, and it's it's a, it's a really, really, really good vintage that they came out with that year. It's actually grown in North Carolina, um, and I know somebody was talking on the video. I believe it was Sparky saying that it has you know most of my blends have that vintage type of, of taste to them. And I think that's probably where he's getting that from is that that Red Virginia that's in there. Um, Buckleberry Fairy is, is going to be more of an all-natural tobacco. It's going to have a little bit of some vanilla black Cavendish in it, and that's it for for taste. There's no um, excuse me toppings. There, there there's no toppings. There's no casing. There's nothing else on it. It's just all natural. Everything that I make is actually all natural. Gotcha. Um, the Etten Moors is going to be a traditional English. Um, kind of lighter on the Latakia, more heavy on the Virginias and the Burley. Um, I've got a pinch of Perique in there, and I've got a little bit of some Orientals as well, just to kind of put a little bit of a flair in there. Um, we've got Arable, that's going to be just a, a Virginian Burley pot. It's a, it's a White River, and it's a Red Virginia. That's it. Just keep it simple and pure. Uh, we've got Sango and Forest. That's going to be a, a kind of a Scottish blend, a traditional Scottish blend. And I know the Scottish blend thing is everybody's on, I guess, disagreement on what a Scottish blend is. Um, kind of, you know, that, that age-old, now this is a no, no, this is it. But uh, I have kind of taken what I learned from him and... You know, he told me this is what a Scottish blend is, so I've always gone by, you know, whatever, you know, he says a Scottish blend is. So, to me, kind of the Scottish blend is going to be a Latakia. Uh, Scottish blends, traditionally to me, the way I were taught, were a, a Latakia and a, a kind of an, almost an aromatic kind of crossover. Interesting. If that makes sense at all. Interesting. Okay. Um, so... That's kind of what Fangorn Forest is going to be. You're going to have your Latakia, you know, your Burleys, your different types of Virginia. Um, and it's got a little bit of vanilla black Cavendish in it. Just to add a little bit of cool and a little bit of sweetness in there. 
Um, that's probably one of my favorite English blends. Personally, I, I really enjoy that one. It's very cool smoking. It has a really nice contrast between you know, sweet and smoky. You know, I can't wait to try that one now that you're talking about it because I'm a big English fan. But I also like when when someone throws me a curveball, and that's what that sounds like. So I'm excited to try that one. That's 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 my favorite. Um, I'm not. I don't usually tend to be really. And and I say this, I I smoke anything, obviously. But we usually when I go to to grab like a English, I usually like something a little bit lighter on the Latakia. Um, Latakia to me, if there's too much, it kind of leaves in at least like an oily film in my mouth. I know for some guys it doesn't do that, but I usually tend to smoke either Fangorn or, or Mordor, which Mordor is actually the next one I was going to talk about, which is going to be a little bit heavier on the Latakia. Um, it's going to be more of a, I guess, a Balkan blend, if you will. It's got it's got a it's got a little hefty portion of some Orientals in there, um, and you are kind of what I'm doing is I'm taking the the Latakia, you know, adding that smoky aspect into it and combine it with some orange to give it spice and then putting it on um putting it on our bed of Virginia's, if you will, with just a pinch of barley. Just to give it enough of a little bit of a kick. You know, make sure you know you're smoking tobacco. <laughs> gotcha. The Shire, that is gonna be a that's gonna be a, a vapor, essentially. It's just red Virginia and Perique. Um the Perique I get I think it makes a big difference. I've tried using other types of periques, other other you know manufacturers and whatnot. Um, I get my perique from the Cologne, and I don't think there's any better perique that I've ever smoked, honestly. Now, who who do you get the perique from? Say that again. It's McClellan, actually. McClellan, okay. Yeah, yep, and they I think that they have they they do it in a in a finer cut, and I think that makes a huge difference. Okay, interesting. Because obviously, when you're smoking a vapor and you get a piece of perique on that puff, you you know when you're smoking perique. Mm-hmm. But I, I want perique to be in the background instead of the forefront, more mm-hmm. of a a neutralizer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Gondor. That's going to be a Virginia Berlin perique blend. Let's see, Old Toby. That is a pure Virginia and. I know that Mr. Rockstar's going to be hearing this, but I want you to know, Oli, that I put some 2003 vintage Red Virginia in, in your old Toby sampler. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Watch out. <laughs> Uh-oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a text message here in a little while. <laughs> Jay's going to be upset when he hears that. He's going to be pissed. I may get a he's knock on my be... door from a crazy New Jersey person. Uh, yeah, I know, man. I'm going to get a nasty grand <laughs> Well, thank but you. I can't I wanted, wait to try I that to out. Experience it. He got, he, you know, he talked it all up. Well, see, man. that's just it. You know, he can't expect to talk it up like that, and me not want to try it. Am exactly. I right? Exactly. In case you were wondering what we were talking about there, you can go back to the last podcast where I interviewed Jay from Rockstar Pipes, and he goes on and on about this wonderful, special old Toby blend that that is reserved just for him. And so you'll you'll it's it's funny to listen to no matter what, but you'll know what we're talking about. You'll be able to follow along if you haven't listened to that podcast, which hopefully you have already. But if not, go back and check it out. Okay, back to the podcast. What were you thinking? You should have kept your mouth closed. <laughs> now, now everybody knows about your special blend. 
Uh, let's see. I think we got one more, right? Barrow Downs? Barrow Downs and Rivendell. Oh, Rivendell, too. Yep, that's right. Rivendell was going to be a kind of a mixture of a couple of different Virginias and just with a pinch of Burley. And the Burley on that, the Burley on that and the Gondor actually have kind of a little bit of a, what's the easiest way, kind of a brown sugar, like, like topping, if you will. And it is, it is the lightest of toppings. It's just enough to get a kind of that nice little bit of a, a natural sugar taste to it. And what it does, I think it enhances the, the different types of Virginias in there. Gotcha. It, it really brings out that, that, that sweetness that you get from the Virginia. It, it helps to, it, it doesn't mask it at all. And in fact, I think it kind of enhances it actually a little bit. Um, and we've got Barrow Downs, which is, that's going to be my Latakia bomb. That's going to be those, those guys, you know, that, that love nightcap, those, those blends that'll make you have to sit down and smoke them. Gotcha. Um, that is, that was the latest blend that I did. Um, I had a lot of customers that were asking for something a little bit more Latakia heavy. So it took me almost six months to make that blend. I kept trying different things and, you know, you got to smoke two or three bowls of it. And after, you know, two or three bowls, I'll find something that I hated on. So I would start from scratch again and, and rinse and repeat. And I finally came out with that one. Um, that was obviously, we're going to have a lot of Latakia in that one. It's going to have a little bit of some stoved Virginia um, with some bright Virginias, Burleys, and just a pinch of some Orientals. I found that the Orientals kind of really helped to balance out that Latakia that's in there. So is there is there a blend that sells better than any of the other ones? Oh, probably, I would probably say Old Toby. Old Toby is kind of traditionally, I guess, been my bestseller, um, followed closely by probably Mordor. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's definitely probably got to be Mordor. Mordor's probably my second bestseller. There's a lot of Balkan lovers out there, you know. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And it's, it's it doesn't taste like a traditional, you know, Balkan Sabrina or any traditional Balkan. It's kind of my... Well, it's kind of my grandfather's spin on a Balkan, I guess, if you will. It's got it's got some different things that are in there, and it, he, he kind of threw around, you know, an idea of putting the same types of tobacco that you would normally find in that, but mixing up, you know, the mixture, how much of what goes in there. And he did he did a superb job. So, what is your pa- personal favorite in that list? Ooh. Between those two or all together? All together. Collectively, I smoke a lot of Buckleberry Fairy. Um, I love aromatics. And that, to me, is the pinnacle of kind of what an aromatic is supposed to taste like. It's not overly sweet, but it, it is sweet. I, I think you smoked that. Yeah, I have, and I enjoyed that a lot. That's the I got a sampler pack, and that's the first thing that I tried out. And uh, that was just last night, and I haven't gotten to anything else yet. But I tried that out last night, and I enjoyed it a lot. And and the folks around me certainly did too. We went trick or treating, and I, that's what I had for uh, the trick or treat walk around the uh, around the neighborhood. And I got a lot of compliments about how how great it's, it's, it smelled. That. And and you know I think that has a 
obviously the room, though, it is going to be anybody who isn't, you know, type friendly is going to enjoy the smell of that. But you don't have to worry about something smelling good and tasting good at the same time, mm-hmm. which has always been, you know, an aromatic kind of, uh, which one is it going to be? Is it going to taste good or is it going to smell good? Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is it has all the nice sweet notes that you would want from, from an aromatic. But being that, you know, it's all natural tobaccos in there, you are really getting a a natural tobacco taste of the of, of that blend in your mouth. You don't have to worry about all that topping and all that goop. It smokes really cool and dry. And it and it certainly did too. Absolutely. So that was probably my favorite, um, followed by probably Bangorn Forest would probably be my second favorite. Okay. Interesting. You don't only carry tobacco, though. You also carry pipes and cigars. Tell the listeners about uh, what lines that you currently have. Oh, all right. So we've got, for pipes, um, I've got a couple guys on the site. Um, obviously, you know, you know, Jason Tochu from Briarbird. Um, he, I've been selling his stuff for a while. He is just such a pleasure to work with. He's an excellent. He's he's just an excellent human being. He is, isn't he? And he really is. And and he makes some killer work. You yes, know, he does. It's, it's it's been great over the past couple of years getting to watch him transform and to watch his pipe making skills progress. And I, I'm honored to be able to get to carry his stuff on the shop. Um, I've also got some. I don't know if you've heard of Wise Man pipes. Sure have. Yep. Evan is he he's he's that son of a bitch and those Canadians, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but damn he can make some pipes. So I think, you know, he's he's got his own flair, but he's learned a lot. I think, you know, he's expressed a lot of knowledge has come from Geo, which is another the excellent Canadian pipe maker. Yeah, that's that's um, certainly a, a great person to uh to learn from. Um, oh, yeah, right. Wiseman. I mean, he, he's making some beautiful stuff. I can't wait to get one of those in my hands to uh, to really go over it. But gosh, you know, I've, I've seen some really beautiful work out of that guy. So good stuff. He he, he has some amazing work. I've actually, you know, I got a, a couple that he made for me and put on the site. Um, two of them are on hold right now. I do still have one available. Um, but he, I, I sat down with him. I said, "Listen, I got to have one." So he is. He's been working on a commission piece for me, and I cannot wait to get it in. It is his his work is beautiful, you know. And he's he doesn't do it full time. He kind of does it on the side. You know, he just had a he just had a little girl. Congratulations to him. So I know oh, he's not gonna he's not gonna get as much bench time. But you know, those guys that he's one of those guys that can sit down and. He puts his heart and soul into it too. Whether it be for an hour or a full day's worth of work, he, you know, no matter what, he goes in there, and you can tell by the quality of his craftsmanship. It is, it is hundred percent there. Excellent. Um, I've also got one more. Last but not least, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ron Huntley of Huntley Pipes. No, I'm not. Tell me about it. My wife calls my, my wife calls him Mountain Man. Um, he, he's up in the mountains in North Carolina. He is a, he's a great guy. One of the, the coolest mountain people I've ever met, honestly. Um, he kind of just does it all on the side in his little shop that he does. 
Um, he's a Navy veteran as well. So obviously that was, you know, we knew him that kind of a bond. And I've sat down and we, we smoked together. And he's just a really down-to-earth guy. And he's another one, you know, he's not he's not doing it full-time. He's, he's kind of a, a I guess, a, a hobbyist, if you will. But he has a knack for it. He's got the eye. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of pipes, but when he does, you can tell that you know he he hasn't had any formal training. It's all self taught, but you can always tell when somebody's got the eye for pipe making. You know. Yeah, sure. They, sure. They, they get the angles and the curve and everything right, and he does a really good job. And I had one on his on the site. Um, it's called the Horn of Mordor, and that thing was just a little within two weeks. And I was I was super pumped, you know, get to get to call him up and say, Hey look, man, your pipe sold, you got some money coming to you, you know, and that was that's a good feeling. Yeah. To help those guys out, you know. And then you also carry some cigars, right? We do, we do. Um the cigar line is, is always expanding. I think right now I've got some oh well, I don't know what I have on the site right now. I think we got some Heisenbergs like by Quesada. Um, as well as some Oktoberfest by Quesada, which I don't know if you smoked either of those. I have not. Um, the Oktoberfest is a very, very good cigar. Um, I haven't smoked all of the, the different shapes and sizes. I tend to carry Coronas in the shop because I am partial to Coronas, and I know that's probably not the, the best business plan, if you will. Um, but Coronas are um, – I've never had an issue selling Coronas. They always go. As opposed to carrying, you know, Churchill or Toros, and I, a lot of times those will sit in, you know, they'll sit in humidor for for three or four weeks before I even sell one of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess people must like the Cronus signs if, if it's going before the other ones. Um, I also have got some Grand Habanos, the vintage 2002. I think that personally is one of the best cigars for the price on the market. In the world, honestly, they've got a, a 2002 vintage Cameroon wrapper on that, and it is—it's—it's it's sublime, honestly. And for for under four dollars a stick, I mean, you can't beat that. Wow, that's that's yeah, that's good price. Yeah, exactly. And Grand Habano has got some great sticks. They've got some sticks I'm not crazy about, but <clears throat> the beauty with cigars especially over pipe tobacco, is the the fact that everybody's got their own little different... What's the word I'm looking for here? Tell me how holy with, with, with all your wisdom. Je ne sais quoi, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they... Pipe tobacco smokers, at being one and you also being one, it's a finicky bunch. They are a finicky bunch. Ain't that the truth? It is the truth. Cigar smokers, not so much. You know, cigar smokers are like, give me one of these, give me one of those, just come out with a handful of stuff. You love it, great. You hate it, you know, cut it up, throw it away. And I guess it's it's wonderful being able to sell both. It was always kind of, I just recently started selling cigars. You know, I always wanted to do the, kind of the full-on tobacconist thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but cigars obviously take a lot more time, money, and effort, you know, to really build that up. But, you know, over the next year or so, 
kind of kind of watch, wait, and see. It it will it will grow, and it's continuing to grow. I've actually just got some um, foundries mm-hmm. chilling moose in just launched. I want to say a couple weeks ago, and it's actually a really good stick, especially for under four dollars as well. They foundry kind of does a every time they make a cigar, they put something weird in it, um, and they've done it this time with a. Connecticut grown Habano Rosado wrapper, which I've never even heard of. I don't I didn't even know they they, they make Rosado wrappers here in Connecticut. But it's got some really nice notes that you wouldn't normally find in, in a in a milder medium body of cigar. So it sounds like you're you're just starting to kind of grow that that side of the business, right? I am, yeah. You know, and I've I've been a cigar smoker for years. Um, I know what I love, I know what I hate, and it's, there's constantly, there's constant, constant change in the cigar business. Um, and it, it, it honestly, it's a little bit harder to keep up with because there's so many new things coming out every year. Um, and I'm learning new things every year. Mm-hmm. You know, every single year I can try something that I might not have thought that I would like and I enjoy it or, or vice versa. You know, oh, I should like that. You know, I get halfway through and I'm like, I can't smoke that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So getting back to pipes, do you prefer to smoke one shape over another? Ooh, that's a tough one there. Oh, um, you know, I guess looking at my collection, I've got a lot of billies, bent and straight. Um, but I would say if I kind of had a favorite, mm-hmm. it would probably be either an apple or a like a bulldog Rhodesian. I would say it would kind of be a cross between one of those two shapes. Okay. And that's kind of that's kind of like your go-to shape more than anything else. It is. I always find myself reaching. Uh, we were talking about Jason of Briarbird. He made me commission a couple of years ago of a uh, on a, a natural sandblasted Rhodesian with a Cumberland stem, and mm-hmm. it's light. I like I like my pipes light above all other things. I'm, I'm a puncher, so I've always kind of preferred a lighter weight pipe. Mm-hmm. And I always just find myself reaching for that pipe. So I guess if, if anything, that would probably be my go-to shape, I reckon. What is coming up for Middle Earth Tobacco that you're really excited about? Oh, let's see. I guess I, I've been working on a cigar blend. Um, and I've been working on it for about a year. And... I think it, I'm getting closer. I'm getting a lot closer. I want to say probably in the next couple of months we should be seeing a, a cigar blend out. That's I've been working, yeah, and I've been working on that one for a while, and I keep trying different cigar leaves with different pine tobacco leaves, and I, I never want, I never keep getting that right combination I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm getting closer. I've I've kind of narrowed it down to a particular type of tobacco leaf. Um, so now it's kind of which one do I think is going to be the best and, and with which mixture of the actual pipe tobaccos goes best with it. So and you but know, it's coming only. This 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 aspect of of pipes and tobaccos is absolutely fascinating to me. And it's really cool that, that I get to hear this from you. 
because um, it's something that we don't really think about as, as pipe collectors, pipe makers, pipe smokers. I don't think we think about this a whole lot. And that is what exactly what goes into a single blend. And so here you are. You're working on this one that you got this idea and you're working on it. You're working on it. It may take you a year. It may take you more than a year. And, you know, that's that's part of the process of trial and error and how much you actually throw into this so that when it's ready for public consumption, you know damn well, yes, this is exactly what I want you to have. And I think that's I think that's one thing that that guys like me anyway, I don't I don't really I don't think about that. You know, I just think, oh, yeah, let me give this a whirl. And I don't think about all the different stuff behind the scenes that are, is has been going into this over a long period of time for this for this blender to go. Yep, this is it. This is the one. It's a big deal. Buckleberry Fairy that has I want to say eleven different types of leaves in it. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, and it's being able to create harmony, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a canvas, and you need to paint the picture. And, yeah. You know what do you what do you want it to be? Wow, that's that's a uh, that's a great illustration right there, and that's and that's one thing that uh, I think I think that I take, you know, I I don't I just take it for granted that all right I'm gonna I'm gonna open up this tobacco and I'm gonna get exactly what I'm expecting out of it out of this blend that I love without thinking about all those steps that have gotten it to that point. Honestly, to me, the, the biggest thing that, that makes a good blend or a bad blend is, first and foremost, obviously, the quality of tobacco. Um, and then do, do the different types of tobacco harmonize with each other? You know, even, even if you might not like a blend, sometimes you can sit back and you say, I, that's not really for me, but, but that, that's a good blend still. That's very well blended. All the flavor profiles are right. It just not might be your flavor profile, but... Right. You can still tell when a, when a blend is a good blend versus a bad blend, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you got to think, too, what is the cut of the tobacco? What is the burn rate going to be? If I put some of this in with a little bit of this, do I got to worry about what the burn rate is going to be? Is it going to burn too hot? Is it going to burn too fast, too slow? Too slow is, it, honestly, a, that is, to me, that is the hardest thing to, to blend around. If I put a type of tobacco and mix it with another one, will it burn too slow? Are you going to have to continue to keep relighting? I hate having to relight all the time. <laughs> There's a lot to it. There's yeah. a lot to it, man. And I continue to grow in my knowledge. And, you know, one day I would love to have somebody that I could pass my knowledge on to as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're not blending tobaccos, what do you like to do? Oh, I'm 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 a bit of a homebody. Um, I like to just sit at home and relax. I, you know, I a lot of times I'm I'm working twelve hour days at Sprint. You know, I I leave for work at nine a.m. I don't get home until nine p.m. at night. So you know, obviously I get home, you know, eat dinner, relax with the wife, and I'll probably smoke a cigar and blend for a couple hours and relax. Uh, that's 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 probably. What I enjoy doing most is just getting home from work and and having a cigar and getting back to work. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sounds good. As much talk as I have heard, you know, just uh, through emails and Instagram and and things like that about your lines, uh, you're doing great, man. 
So keep up the good work. I'm going to try. Ole, I'm going to try. Excellent. Well, Nat, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me today, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for taking the time out of yours and letting me, I guess, bring my story. And that was my chat with Nat Clark of Middle Earth Tobacco. Hey, I knew Nat blended tobacco that folks were really going crazy about, but what I didn't know is that I'd hear such a great story about his connection to his grandfather and how through the fellowship of pipes and pipe tobacco, a strong bond was made and a legacy continues. I am absolutely honored to share a good story like that with you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love this this podcast. Don't forget to check out PipingAin'teEasy.com, where you are about to find your next favorite pipe. PipingAin'teEasy.com has a great collection of pipes for you to choose from right now. So don't wait, because the rotation that is up right now is a snapshot in time. If your next favorite pipe is there, you had better claim it before someone else does. Go right now to PipingAin'teEasy.com and let me know what you get. Until we meet again, my friends, this is Oli from Oompal.com wishing you very good luck trying to decide which Middle Earth tobacco blend will be next in your cellar and in your pipe. <laughs>